Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Transformation for Success show. And first of all, I want to give a big shout out to my West A family and all my local, national, and worldwide radio listeners and supporters. This is going to be a fantastic day. You know, the Transformation for Show, uh, Transformation Show for Success broadcast is designed to challenge and inform you listeners each week with interesting and knowledgeable special guests that include artists and educators, singers, technology experts, health educators, women professionals from many areas of expertise, college presidents, and even ministers of the gospel. So my guests will share their stories of transformation and give you the principles and steps they have learned on their journeys. You know, there are challenges that we all face today, some good, some bad, some ugly. And there are many who are disillusioned, brokenhearted, disappointed, and dismayed, and yes, even fearful. We are living in challenging times, but there is hope, and it is so encouraging to hear the stories of those who have met many of these challenges and overcome them with success. So we have a very encouraging story for you today, so I want to join you have joined me and my guest, Miss Jacqueline Wen. We're going to hear Jackie's story of her transformational journey of how she came to this country as a refugee from Vietnam, had major losses in her life and family challenges, but more importantly, turning her life around and how she overcame these challenges and obstacles to become a successful radio host, producer herself, speaker, trainer, coach, and author. So we're going to hear from her today, and I'm sure her many insights will help many families to immediately create more harmony and reduce stress in their lives. And since we're in the holiday season, this is an interview that I know that's going to change your mindset. So listeners, you'll want to tune into this show today and call your friends. Tell them if they miss this show, they can access it later as all of the shows are downloaded. And we're also on the Women's Channel on Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. I welcome you to call live or Skype your questions or comments to me during the show. We'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have or you may have some questions of Miss Wynn. The number to call is 1-888-346-9141. And if you're calling internationally, the number is 001-480-553-5754. And I want you to email me your feedback, your comments to info at transformationforsuccess.com because I would dearly love to hear from all of you. Now, let me welcome my guest today. Hello, Miss Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. <laughs> Thank you so much for that introduction. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I am delighted to have you on the show today as my guest, because I know that you have so much to share. You know, Jacqueline, I know you were born in Vietnam, and I, and I shared that, and you came to this country when you were eight years old. So tell yes. us a little bit about your transformational journey. Well, you know, I was very young when I came over. I actually had four younger sisters, and between the five of us, we're about six years apart. So my mom wow. literally had this back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. and uh-huh. um, we came from Vietnam 
like you said, as refugees. So we were forced to leave our country uh, for our life, basically. Mm-hmm. And coming here, I didn't know the language. Uh, I didn't know the culture. I didn't know the food. I didn't know anything. It was literally like being on Mars. And wow. um, at the time, we got transplanted in the middle of the United States, St. Louis, Cal- uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, my and goodness. so there was no Asian people back in 1975 that I could remember. So we looked completely different from other kids. And so uh, I don't want to say I was bullied um, because I, you know, I wasn't hurt or anything like that. But they definitely made fun of us, you know, our eyes because I'm Asian. And mm-hmm. it, 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 we were like Martians to them. And so they didn't understand, you know, who we were. And I, we didn't know any English. So it was very difficult just to adjust all of that. and I can imagine. I, and the thing was, we had no family. And because Vietnam ended up closing its, its doors to the outside world, mm-hmm. we literally lost every member of our family that were left behind. We could not oh, speak to them. We could not wow. write to them. So they were literally like dead to us. And so it was very difficult for my mother because she had to leave her mom and her sisters and, you know, everybody she loved Mm -hmm. all her life. And my dad, too, and was not able. We didn't know if they were dead, if they were being tortured, if they were starving to death, nothing. Oh, wow. Wow. So how did you how did you learn English, number one? (laughs) <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. At that age, I think it's by osmosis because I can't remember how it was. I think just being immersed in it in school mm-hmm. and, you know, friends um, next door and at the church because it was the Catholic church that sponsored us out. So we were mm-hmm. very involved in the church. Okay. And at that age, kids, literally, I... They actually, I uh, I should have been in second grade, but they put me back in kindergarten just to start off, you know, uh, learning. Uh-huh. And by the ha- midway through the school year, I had already caught up, and I was able to skip first grade the following year and go straight to second grade because I had made up everything in one year. Wow. So you were smart. <laughs> Well, I think as children, we're like sponges, you know, they learn, they hear everything, Mm -hmm. and and that's all it was, it was just trying to fit in, Um, and I didn't have any choice because no one else spoke Vietnamese except for my family, and at that age, you have a lot of younger friends, and all my, you know, friends I was making all spoke English, so you learn very quickly. Well, one of the things uh, you did share with me that you had uh, a military family, so both you had a double whammy, I would call it, because when we think of the Asian culture and a military family, we're talking about discipline. We're talking about a style that's very, very autocratic, I would say. (laughs) Yes, very much so. I mean, there's good and difficulties in it, right? Because my parents, um, because of their background and mm-hmm. their heritage, they were very strict on values and morals and everything had a place and everything was organized and disciplined from my the military side. And mm-hmm. so it's all about this top-down, shut-down, and obedience, right? That's mm-hmm. how the military has it. You, mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. at the top, Tells everybody at the bottom what to do, and you just do what you're supposed to do, and you don't know any better. And so, and then there's this 
dichotomy when I go to school where the American culture is, you know, about speaking out and and um, talking about how you feel. And then I come mm-hmm. home and it's completely opposite. And so I lived in this, like, two-culture world and I was, like, this third culture developing my own um, lifestyle, trying mm-hmm. to understand how to fit in. Well, how, how you know, I can't imagine, um, and some to some extent, I guess some of us can, who came from backgrounds where we had uh, the same, I had a lot of self-discipline in my home. I mean, you didn't talk back, you didn't question uh, your parents, you accepted what no. they said. So yeah. there are many of us who in America experienced uh, that same, those same values and principles and morals um, and yeah. grew up with it. How did you, um, you know, begin to display feelings or what happened where you began to come out of that shell and immerse to where you are today? Well, you know, it took a lot of very profound moments in my 20s and in my 30s and even, you know, I'm 50 now all the way through. But I think one of the first things that started was that I was able to go to college. And Mm -hmm. so I got a little bit of freedom um, Mm -hmm. to kind of explore myself. And Mm -hmm. uh, then at 30 years old, I uh, decided to pack, you know, pack my bags and leave everything here and I just got a backpack, and I traveled around the world by myself and my backpack for a year. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot by myself. Because, and, you know, it's like a self-exploration because there's no one around you to tell you what to do, to punish you, to yell at you, or, mm-hmm. you know, to blame you for something, right? It was, you're on your own. So that year mm-hmm. was a really transformational. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met my... Um, my husband at the time, uh, we're divorced now, and that mm-hmm. was an experience to learn because it was not a healthy relationship. It mm-hmm. was very destructive, but uh, I learned a lot about what I could handle and what I needed in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And during the marriage, actually, my youngest sister, she was 30 at the time, she mm-hmm. also committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. Days yeah, seven days after her boyfriend committed suicide, so we had oh, a double. Wow. Yeah, her we had a double suicide. Committed suicide? In, pardon me. Her boyfriend committed suicide as well. Yes. Yeah, so her boyfriend committed suicide first on a Saturday. Uh, the following Saturday, we buried him, and that next day, she committed. She crossed the yellow line, and she lay down where he had killed himself, and she killed herself too. Oh, my God. And at the time, I was five months pregnant with my first child. Oh, Uh, my goodness. There's this, you know, I was 37 years old, and I didn't think I could get pregnant. So I was so excited to be pregnant. And at five months, you know that, you know, you're good to go. Like, you you made that mark. And then all of a sudden, you have to deal with a double suicide. And so it was, it was, very confusing time for me. Like, do I, am I happy or am I sad? <laughs> wow. Wow. Did my, my, I want to ask a question, uh, Jacqueline. Did, did anyone ever find out why they, why he committed suicide? And he then was going through and, severe and your, depression. Your sister? Going, my, my, her boyfriend was going through severe, severe depression. 
Okay. And uh, from what we know, um, and she was going to leave him, and that's, he couldn't handle that. And um, he, uh, you know, he couldn't do that. And so he was also abusive, which is why she was going to leave him. It wasn't just that he was, you know, depressed. Mm-hmm. Depressed. Mm-hmm. There was, mm-hmm. it was a very abusive relationship, and um, I wish that she would have just gone, you know, gotten through it because she could have seen it. But uh, she. He, you know, he had a hand in her, even in his grave, that's all I could say, and she just couldn't see herself living without him at 30 years old, and she she wrote a very long, detailed note, mm-hmm. um, and it was something that she had planned for the whole week, that there was nothing that we could have done, and so, um, you know, for all the people out there that experience this in their life. Mm-hmm. Do you feel difficult. somewhat, Jackie, that maybe she blamed herself for his suicide by the fact of saying that she was leaving him and maybe she took on that guilt? I, I mean, I can't, I can, I can only uh, speculate, right? Because um, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know, but I would think so. You know, like part of it is like, it, it, it's my fault because I didn't go back when he told me that I should go back mm-hmm. and he threatened that he would kill himself if she didn't come back. And so I couldn't, I can imagine that that's probably what she was thinking. There's that guilt that it isn't my fault and maybe I should be with him. Um, and so it's hard to know because that mm-hmm. week between his suicide and her suicide, it was, right, such, it was right, so crazy. Right. One of yeah, the things right, that it, you pointed out, and I know that you've done some work and we're going to talk about that, because when we talk about values and, and cultures, we talk about how we're raised um, mm-hmm. And you talked about how your household was very uh, top-down initiated in the sense that you were shut down. You really couldn't express your feelings. So there's yeah. a lot of that that really follows many of us into adulthood. And it's through Absolutely. counseling and maybe being able to free oneself, as you possibly did, from mm-hmm. breaking out of that to become the person you were intended to be. So tell us a little bit about your 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 pregnant your five months pregnant and your marriage then I guess begins to become abusive and how did you make the decision that you wanted to get out of that? You know I didn't make a decision. My daughter actually I had my daughter and then we ended up having um, we I was pregnant again and I had my son three mm-hmm. years later and mm-hmm. everybody kept you know you keep hearing this. Sentence, you know, like you gotta stay in it for the kids. You know, it's good for the kids to stay in it, and mm-hmm. or maybe it was just something in society that I just felt like I need to be there because it was good for the kids. And mm-hmm. there's this now. Now I'm talking about my guilt. There's this my guilt was saying, hey, they didn't choose to be in this relationship. I did, and mm-hmm. so as long as they were happy, I need to suffer. It's like mm-hmm. a punishment on myself that I need to punish myself because. I did this to myself. They did. And so I stayed in there thinking that they were happy, that they enjoyed being, you know, mm-hmm. um, in a house with a mother and a father. Mm-hmm. Um, but then one morning, my daughter was five years old. And at the time, we, my ex-husband and I hadn't even slept in the same bedroom for over a year. He was in the guest room already. So I had my own, you know, room. Mm-hmm. And she crawled in. She crawled into bed with me that morning. It must have been like 8 o'clock in the morning or something. She was 5 years old. My son was 
two years old at the time, so he was still in the crib, and she looked up at me with those beautiful brown eyes, and she said, Mommy, it makes me sad when you and Daddy fight. Oh, wow. Now, to some people, that might not sound so much, but for me, I was like, wait a minute, I am giving up my life and punishing myself thinking that this is going to make my children happy, and that... Mm -hmm. And here it is. She's saying, no, it makes her sad. And I didn't even think that she heard us fight. It was always after she was asleep or we just didn't talk to each other when they were awake. It was just like silence, right? But mm-hmm. they feel it. And and it's right. You know, people say the children know. They are yes, so they do. intelligent. They yes, know. They and that was the wake-up call. My Knowing that my children are not happy was like, you know what? Whatever the future holds, I have to be happy and I have to show them what happiness is. I think that's marvelous. And and it's interesting from the mouths of babes that we learn and realize that children, since they hear, and here she is at five, telling you, Mommy, it makes me sad when you and Daddy fight. Well, you know, I'm really thankful um, that you shared that with us because there's so many people out there that may be going through or have gone through some of the same experiences. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how Jacqueline started the process of rebuilding her life. So stay tuned because we're going to be right back after a quick commercial break. And thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within. But many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello there, and welcome back to my interview today with Jacqueline T.D. Wen, who is a 
uh, radio host producer herself for Parent Pump Radio, and she's a number one Amazon bestselling author of a book called The Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. She also is a certified master in neuro-linguistic programming. She's a public speaker, a trainer, and a coach. So it is my delight to share with her today and have her share with you her story, her transformational journey, should I say. So I am so happy, Jacqueline, that you were able to share your background and the seriousness of some of the things that you suffered or that you went through. Let's, I won't say suffered, but that you went through. But more importantly, now that you've had a wake-up call from your daughter, how did you start the process of rebuilding your life and reducing what you call your victim energy? Yeah, you know, the first thing is you have to do something about it, right? So many mm-hmm. of us live in our victim energy. So I file for divorce. It's mm-hmm. that action that, you know, I'm doing it. And then I moved out with my children. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the things that changed my whole life was I got coaching. Mm-hmm. I got a coach to help me get out of that fear, that insecurity, and that doubt, and that I was at the effect of everything of the Mm -hmm. world, Um, and I started being the cause of my life, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that they really are the cause and not the effects of it, and when you can pull yourself out of that victim energy, and one of the things that my coach really taught me was that everything that happens in your life is an opportunity for growth mm-hmm. or for something better. It is not a punishment. It is not something that you uh, should look at as, as horrible. It's an opportunity. And so mm-hmm. I looked at my divorce, the way my parenting styles uh, what were and, my, and how my sister went through what she did, and I said, what is the learning from this? What uh-huh. am I supposed to learn? Because, right, in life, we go to school, and if you don't learn what you're supposed to learn and pass the test in kindergarten, you don't get to go to first grade. If you don't uh-huh. pass the test in ninth grade, you don't get to go to tenth grade and, and so uh-huh. on. And it's a lesson with life. Like, things that is coming at you, if you don't learn those lessons, you are going to get it repeated, and you're going to get the same relationship. You're going to get the same boss. Mm-hmm. You're going to mm-hmm. be stuck with the same thing until you mm-hmm. go, what am I supposed to learn from this experience mm-hmm. so that I can take it and move forward? I think that's and, great. And go that's ahead. what I did. You know, In mm-hmm. a very short amount of time, um, I started taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. I started accepting who I was. I started just loving where I was, who I am, and everything that was about me and my family. Sounds like you had a good coach. How long did it take you, uh, Jacqueline, to really, you know, come to this realization and about yourself and loving yourself and learning the skills set that you need you know to move your laugh forward? <laughs> you probably can uh, probably attest this. It's an ongoing process all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Where I look at it like the stock market uh, in a day, you know, like it goes up and down, up and down. At the end of the day, how is that mm-hmm. stock market closing? Is it mm-hmm. at a high, higher than it started? And that's what mm-hmm. you want. Um, for me, just realizing that I was at the cause of my life was a light bulb moment. It was literally a light bulb moment. And it actually isn't that, had to do, mm-hmm. isn't that how, how epiphanies happen? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
and 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 I actually had to go back to my sister, um, the one that committed suicide, and um, it was just a simple exercise that we did, and I realized that what my sadness came out of was that I was not able to say goodbye, which is so simple. I just wasn't able to say goodbye, and when I figured that out, so many things dropped. All that weight dropped, and when you drop the weight, mm-hmm. you see the light because you mm-hmm. you couldn't see it. And so right. epiphany started coming, and I realized, you know, she didn't do it to me. She just did herself, and she mm-hmm. left a note saying, you guys all need to understand that I chose this for myself. You know, don't blame mm-hmm. yourself. This is what she said in her note. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at it and going, you know what? I'm going to do what she said. It's not my fault. Mm-hmm. And it's none of our fault. We couldn't have done it. This is her life. She chose it. She was 30, and she's looking down, and she would want me to take this and mm-hmm. help others and help myself mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and really be happy in life. I think that's wonderful, and to look at it from that perspective. Tell me, um, did you have to do anything, any resolutions or anything with your parents? You know what, by my that. parents, mm-hmm. because, yeah, uh, it, you know, we all have to yeah. look at, you know, sometimes the parents and how we were raised and, you know, was there anything you had to do in relationship with them? Yes. And well, the nice thing about my parents, which is great, because I know a lot of people who have conflict with their parents, they have to just accept them for who we, they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? But after the suicide of my sister, our whole family uh, pretty much went through a therapy kind of, you know, just to mm-hmm. grasp what was going on. And mm-hmm. they realized that um, they had to change because mm-hmm. it it wasn't just about the kids anymore. And so they started their journey of becoming um, more relaxed parents is what I can say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, they, they accepted us for who we were and they just rejoiced and, and, um, and celebrated wherever our life was because they knew that as long as we were alive, they mm-hmm. needed to be happy. That's that was as, that we were alive and that we were healthy. That's what happened. And any pressure on you know what profession we need to 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 have um, as the Asian culture is you know like you need to be in the medical or or uh, legal field, attorney, doctors, or engineer in order to per- be perceived as someone that is an honor to the family. They let all that go because they realize what's most important is that your children are happy and healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. And so, so. yeah, and so they started changing. Mm-hmm. I started doing my own work and I started changing. And so as we were evolving, we vibrated at a whole different level of energy than we were before. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say my parents aren't still very, you know, sad about what happened because your children shouldn't be passing away before you do. Um, mm-hmm. But I see that they realize that they, you have to celebrate what you have. And so now um, they still have their moments, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where they, they try to tell us what to do, but they, they back off when they see that we're like, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, mom. Um, and so, you know, my, I take my children home every other week when I have my children to visit my mm-hmm. parents. My sisters mm-hmm. live near them. They go by and visit them often. And so we're, now that they're getting, you know, to uh, an older an age where they're very weak and um, we mm-hmm. help take care of them and we love to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely I- a very different relationship. So there's been a lot of healing in that family and a lot of growth yeah. as well. 
Yeah. How, yeah. Tell me, tell me, Jacqueline, how has this changed you as a parent? Well, um, <laughs> I definitely am listening to my children more. Mm-hmm. I Every other weekend, we have family meetings where everybody gets their airtime to thank, to be in gratitude of, you know, what the, what the other person is. So my son would say, I'm really thankful, Mommy, that you did this the last two mm-hmm. weeks for me so that they, I can hear that I'm doing something good. And, mm-hmm. and uh, then he says, then he can say, hey, what else do I want? I call it the sandwich feedback, which is say something good that you mean and then something that somebody can work on and mm-hmm. then ended with something great again. And so we go through that as a family. And then anything else that comes up, hey, is there, is summer is coming. What kind of vacation do you want to go to? Do you want to just hang around here and go to the beach, go mm-hmm. to the pool, or do you want to go somewhere? I want them to always know that their voice matters Good. and mm-hmm. that they are valued. Mm-hmm. And so that's not what I got when I was growing up. It was a dictator, you know, I, uh, <laughs> and so I, I don't want to be a dictator. I don't want to nag them. And I don't want to also be a doormat where I'm just in fear of them, right? Some parents are like, you know, I don't want to say that because then mm-hmm. my children won't talk to me or something. And it's like, no, I don't right. want that either. Right. So right. I learned how to be a very effective leader so that my children want to follow me out of respect and not out mm-hmm. of fear. Okay. That's great. Are you a single parent? Yes, I am. Okay. Their dad is still in the picture. Um, mm-hmm. He, you know, takes them on his time. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have a very different parenting style than he does. Mm-hmm. And so they have learned that there's two families and there's two parenting styles. Okay. And, that, and they're making the adjustments. And, you know, as, as you were talking, uh, I was thinking about, you know, parents. When we think of parents and parenting, that your parents were emulating what they had learned from their parents. And Absolutely. it's very difficult to break out of a mold because that's how they were raised. And I know my mother yeah. raised me the way she was raised. I broke the mold because I decided I wanted to be a different kind of parent where communication was possible. So we can yeah. change, um, you know, we can change the pattern based on our own experiences. But there were some things that I carried, and that was that discipline. <laughs> <laughs> and, and moral values and integrity. But I mean, yeah. it gets me into how did you get into the business of working with families? Well, you know, I actually didn't work with families. I got into leadership development to help okay. businesses. Okay. Um, I wanted, I was, I was in the corporate world and I thought I hated having those owners that, you know, or, 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 or bosses that was hell, you know, running through yelling at everybody. And mm-hmm. I knew, I thought there, and then I had a boss that was amazing. I, I worked for an attorney that was everything that you wanted to be. He valued you and you felt it and he, you felt like you, you were heard. And so then I got into, uh, a really amazing school called IPEC, and it, they taught us tools and how to be a great leader and how to teach other people how to do it. And so that's what I mm-hmm. did. But what happened in doing that was I was getting hired by the business owners and the manager to coach their kids. Okay. And I was like, okay, I've never done families before, but I'll just take what I, 
you know, instead of saying your coworker, I'll say your mm-hmm. friends or your family. Instead of saying mm-hmm. your boss, it's your parents. And so I use the exact same tools of dynamic communication, emotional intelligence, engagement, time mm-hmm. management, stress management, same tools, but I just changed the pronouns. And it was just as effective. And the family was were changing. Like, the wife would notice that her husband was different. And she's like, well, I can definitely notice a change in you. The dad would notice the son and vice versa. And so I realized that looking back at my life, if my parents had these tools and I learned these things from a young age, mm-hmm. how everything in my life would have changed. And so I feel that everything starts... In the family, leadership starts in the family, mm-hmm. uh, listening, communication, emotional, t- everything starts in that family. And if we can teach the kids how to be effective leaders, this whole world would change in one generation. All this political upheaval of, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on in our in our country right now and other countries, like, it could change in one generation if we can learn as parents to be effective leaders to our children so that they learn at a young age so we're not having to reprogram themselves. So you feel that that the common denominator here is working with the parents and training parents to be leaders, training parents to be engaging and uh, have that communication ability where they can work with their children. Is that what I hear you saying? Absolutely, and that's what I why I wrote my book mm-hmm. because business and family really are a mirror. The CEO of a company is like the parent. You are the CEO of your family. You want you want your children to be engaging. You want them to be excited about doing things. Same thing with a business owner. They want their employees to be the same way, and the employees want their their owners and and managers and leaders to speak to them in a way that they feel valued. Well, your kids want you to feel the same way. And so a company that is profitable, that is um, succeeding, you know, the Amazon, the Apple, you hear all these, they, the Google, they have a culture. They have a very specific culture that they have cultivated by choice, and that's why their family, their 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 working family, is so dedicated and so happy. Well, this the same mold that you have to have in your family if you want to be successful. You have right. to have a culture by choice. Well, you know there are so many issues that are facing uh, the families today, and <clears throat> when we start thinking about. The the increasing number of single parent families, too, that children yeah. are living with, you know, at, it's about 23 yeah. uh, percent of mothers or 23 percent of the population. Their mothers are living with single parents. So how do you deal with a lot of the single mothers or even single fathers? Because, again, that balance of trying to work and family and then we've got the negative uh, media influences that are impacting our young people with these destructive images, there's a lot to fight for. Uh, The financial pressures that are happening to families today, and I'm telling you, the lack of discipline dismays me because there's so much disrespectful behavior become the norm in our schools and our churches even uh, with families. So I know you're grappling with some of these. So what what are some of the major issues that you found that families are facing uh, in our day and age? I think you said some of it. You know, we've got divorce, <laughs> very high. 
Um, mm-hmm. you, now you have two working parents. When I was growing up, my mom stayed home. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how it, the norm was back then, back mm-hmm. in the 70s. Um, you didn't have two working parents. There was always a, someone there as a parent or a, you know, a role model for you. And um, the one of the big thing is the teens now are so pressured to uh, get into college, to be the best, right? And so uh, statistics shows, studies actually have shown that the average teen of today have the same stress and uh, anxiety level as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. So then what happens mm-hmm. is drug use is going to be higher because these teens, uh, their mind isn't as developed, and the only mm-hmm. way that they know how to suppress some of these stress and anxiety is they start drinking, and the drinking will lead to some sort of drug um, that they Mm -hmm. get from a party. Um, And I think with all of these pressure of college and extracurricular activities and sports and um, just violence in school, I mean, you hear these. Sometimes I'm just shocked how many school shootings there are. Like, what? This wasn't even heard of when I was growing up. <laughs> That's true. That is so true. And yeah, and um, so all of these are the major issues that families are facing today. And and if, if you know, you hear people saying, "Well, you know, when I was younger, I could just run around the streets and and play and all night long." Well, it's different now. That's you know, very you don't different. have the internet. You know, the internet also creates a different avenue of of people preying on your kids. Well, it doesn't. Helen, I'm afraid, uh, Jacqueline, we're going to have to take a quick break and we're going to come right back because we're going to talk about what are some of the things families can do to create more harmony in their families. So we'll be right back, listeners. You want to stay tuned because she's got a lot more to share with us. And thank you for listening. on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hello and welcome back. Today, 
Transformation for Success with my guests, Jacqueline T.D. Wen. So, Jacqueline, when we went on break, we were talking about some of the issues that families are facing in our day and age. What are some of the, the well, some of the issues or the three things that you think families can do right now to create more harmony and, and, and more engagement and sort of reduce some of the stress and anxiety that's going on today? Well, there's many things to do, but I think there's three things that I would like to share with your Mm -hmm. listener. Mm -hmm. Uh, The number, I'm going to start from number three and move up to number one. Is that okay? That's fine. (laughs) So number three is basically in order to change the outside world or your family, you have to come from a place that is about change, right? Because your children takes on your energy. So I believe getting grounded, getting centered, and maybe it's a form of meditation. Maybe it's listening to soothing music or taking a walk, whatever it is for you. You have to find that that center inside of you so that whatever chaos is going around you, you are like the... The, the glue that holds everything together, right? Mm, right. And uh, teach your children how to do this. My children know how to meditate. My children do yoga at school, and they know when they are off, they need to go and take that break. It's really, really important. And you will find if you just do that, it, it changes the energy and the dynamic. Uh, the number two thing that you can know is uh, Dr. Gary Chapman is an amazing um, therapist, and he's written many books. One of the things he's talked about is the five love languages. And you can Google yes. the five love language uh, assessment, and it will show you, and your, cho- and your children can take the assessment online, it's free, what their five love language in order of importance. Mm-hmm. What you feel, you might think that quality time is really important, but your son or maybe your husband feels that uh, that uh, words of affirmation is more important. When you find out what is the top one, you can give that person what they feel is love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I think a lot of times we're speaking Greek and Latin. We think that we're really giving love, but that's not what the other person thinks is, is love. They really need you to do something for them. They don't need you to tell them that you love them. They want you to show you know, maybe vacuum the, the 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 carpet or clean the house or something. That's what they feel that they love, right? So if you understand how the other person views mm-hmm. love, it will change dynamic. And the number one thing that I think that you can do is eat dinner together. Do something together at least three times a week as a family. Jacqueline, um, do you know Jacqueline? Do you know how hard that is to get people today to eat dinner together? <laughs> well, you know what? You'd be surprised. I'm just it's telling you, dinner. reality. It yeah, it's really difficult. <laughs> but there's there's three meals in a day um, mm-hmm. uh, on a weekend, Saturday and Sunday, and then on a weekday you've got breakfast and dinner, and it doesn't have to be this long thing. It could be. Maybe breakfast, like, you know, my kids and I sit at the breakfast table for a bowl of cereal in the morning before they go to school, and it may be five, ten minutes, but it makes, what what that does is it sets the day like we are a family, and we're going to just take five minutes together, and if you don't have time to have breakfast, um, 
sometimes what I'll do, we're running, is when we're in the car, I say, okay, everybody needs to talk about three things that they're grateful for. And we name off three things. It could be as simple mm-hmm. as I'm so glad that um, the it's not raining today, right? And so that just kind of has that connectiveness that we are a family and that I am heard. Everybody has a time that they can talk. Um, it's about listening. It's about acknowledging and validating um, each other. And when you do that, I'm telling you, I have changed, families have changed, mm-hmm. people have changed, I have companies that change when you can just spend some time with each other and your children really feel that you feel that they are valued and that they are loved. I think it's so important um, that we say these things, although when I, I was being the advocate when I said it's difficult to get families to have a meal together. I think it's so important. Uh, I also am glad you're sharing with the listeners the five love languages, and I encourage people to get that book, or they can go online uh, and access Dr. Gary Chapman, who I found it's it's very eye-opening, is looking at what people really need. And, you know, like, again, you could be talking Greek and Latin uh, and not know what your family needs. Now, I know there's so much more uh, to share about you, Jacqueline, and how you got into the radio business, and what is your radio show about? Well, my it's my radio show is called Parent Pump Radio, and people can go to parentpumpradio.com, and they can click on the pink box and see all the shows that we have archived and the current show. But, you know, my radio show is about education and sharing with people what Mm -hmm. is out there right now that can help you and Mm -hmm. sharing to people what parents, what is going on out there that you should know about. So it's awareness. It's about prevention and education. And it's about connecting the mind, body, and spirit together so that we all can start utilizing our full potential. I feel like a lot of times the parents are just kind of being the Uber driver, just driving their kids around, you know, on their iPhone, and mm-hmm. we're just running around, and, it, and it's easy to do that. Uh, but when we take that time out and connect ourselves to our higher spirit and our higher soul, there's this energy that illuminates, um, and that's what the radio show is about. It's about helping you connect to that and inspiring parents to, to be more um, and showing that they have higher potential mm-hmm. regarding making more money, uh, being more engaging. You know, mm-hmm. like I bring in guests that can help them save more money and make mm-hmm. more money too. Mm-hmm. Well, do you bring um, youngsters in? Uh, yeah, one of the things have, that, you know, to have the, the students and have the, the children, have them talk. Do you have where yeah. they talk about their needs and how they can help with this whole issue, the whole notion of, Parents and children working together? Yeah. I, you know, for me, I come from a place where I think we are all, we at all times are the teacher and the student. Mm-hmm. And even our five-year-old can teach us something. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that the teenagers, uh, especially particularly the ones between 18 and <clears throat> 23, that college age, they're such a bridge because the high schoolers really listen to them. Because they feel like they 
you know, they're not that much older, so it's like they get to. But these mm-hmm. kids are over 18, so adults, like parents, kind of take them more seriously than as if mm-hmm. they were still, like, mm-hmm. a junior in high school or something. And so my Teen to Parent Talk series, which is also in the show, is really about bringing that college-age student to come mm-hmm. on, and they're just mm-hmm. kind of talking about what's gone in their life, what they've been through, what they learn, and what advice would they give to the parents, mm-hmm. and what advice would they give to the teens in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, to help them get through the tough years, because I think sometimes these kids, when they're in high school, they think, like, the world's going to end, this is it. And and some of them, you know, I've talked to some that committed suicide, that tried to commit suicide oh, yeah. at oh, 9 yeah. and 10 years old. Yeah. And it's a high incidence of uh, suicide rates among young uh, the teenagers, young people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now, there's a huge rise in it, and they mm-hmm. don't think that they can get out of it. You know, they're in a... Uh, a household where parents are arguing, parents aren't connected, they don't feel connected, and so they get into this anxiety, depression, it just mm-hmm. spirals into mm-hmm. wanting to not, to not be here. But when they can hear from a college student who was just there and they mm-hmm. found some ways for themselves to see mm-hmm. the light, it really does help someone that's going through it at that age. I have a, a, a strange question. No, it's not a strange question, but it's a question I want to ask you because uh, I'm very intrigued with, because I've done a lot of work with parents and students myself, mm-hmm. and I want to know the fact, factoring in cultural differences. Uh, what have you found in your work with parents, some of the cultural differences that we need to be aware of? You definitely have to be aware of cultural differences. Absolutely. Um, you know, me coming from an Asian culture, if you uh-huh. are working uh-huh. with an Asian family, you need to understand that values are very high principle and very high belief. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes it's ingrained in the DNA. It's like that deeply ingrained that you just think that mm-hmm. that's part of, you know, what your belief system is. And so I help to help the parents and even the kids, like, question, like, where did this belief come from? Mm-hmm. Is it really from you? Or So you, we have to kind of, you know, these some people with different culture background, they have their hands, you can imagine, like on a chair. They hang mm-hmm. onto it so tightly that they can't see anything else. And so my job is for them just to release that, that grip on that chair, on that culture, the mm-hmm. belief, just a little bit to kind of look around and say, what else is there? And how does this feel? That is great. Now, Jackie, I just, Jacqueline, I don't recall you Jackie, but Jacqueline, (laughs) uh, in our last few minutes, you have done such a great work. Now, are you mainly working with Asian parents uh, with your programs? No, no, no. I work with all parents. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, It's really been a pleasure to have you talk about family. I want to know, just in three words, Tell us who Jacqueline Wen is. <laughs> you know, I I would say I'm a visionary. Okay. That's one word. <laughs> I I think that um, I'm a visionary. I am. How do you say? Always looking at the silver lining. I don't know what kind of how you call that. Mm-hmm. And 
I am very passionate. I love it. I, I can I can feel your passion. I can hear your passion. And I know that there is so much more to share about families and the, you know, I kind of think of focus on the family. Remember Dr. Dotson? <laughs> focus on the family. Yeah. He had a radio show. I don't it is. Remember him. It is. It, it starts there. It really starts there. The children are looking at their mm-hmm. parents and they mm-hmm. emulate who their parents are out there. We always, you know, as an adult, we go back, and I'm sure you you've seen this. It's like, are you more like your mom or your dad? That's and yep. so if the parents are great leaders, we're going to get a whole new different generation that's going to be amazing. Well, you know, I I am happy to hear that you're working on, you know, trying to change the culture, trying to change how parents and students relate for a better society because we really need to uh, work on this, Jackie. And I'm glad that you're. Focusing on parents because that's where it is. But, you know, we we come from a place of where we had our experiences. And I believe that there is a seed of purpose is planted in each and every one of us. And obviously that seed of purpose was planted in you from your own family experiences, the suicide of your sister, and that that propelled you. And then going through your own challenges propelled you to be such a help for people today to know that it can be done, that we can work together, and we can see that there are opportunities for growth for our children, for our families. I just want to thank you so very much for bringing up a subject that we have not talked about on this show until today, and that is about families. So I want to just close the show by saying thanking you, Jack. Jacqueline, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Transformation for Success show today. And I'm certain my listeners have been inspired by your story and continue to do your good work. So listeners out there, remember, I want you to tune in each week to Transformation for Success because we have some more dynamic and interesting guests who are going to come on the show over the next few weeks. And we have a special featured Christmas show on love. Yes, love. And that. I think, Jacqueline, you personify that love that makes the world go round. So until next week, this is Dr. B saying be blessed, be encouraged, and stay motivated. Be courageous and don't give up. This is the happy holiday season, and I wish you joy, and I look forward for you to be listening next week on my show. And this is Dr. B signing off. Have a great week. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have an outstanding week.